Hi, I'm Fred Burton, and welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm here today with Emily Hawthorne, who is one of our Middle East analysts. Emily, welcome. Thank you, Fred. We're going to talk about uh, Iran and the coronavirus today. Mm-hmm. What's the state of play? We're at a very serious moment for Iran with its outbreak of the coronavirus or the COVID-19 virus. Iran acknowledged that they have 1,501 confirmed cases and that they've had 66 deaths from the virus. So it's trending up? It, it is trending up um, since February 19th when they first acknowledged that there were cases and that there were actually two deaths from the cases. Um, but we do have reason to believe that those numbers are going to get much higher. And a number of external experts, um, the numbers are not clear, uh, but believe, they do believe that the actual cases within Iran are probably much higher and that an inability to gauge the number of cases is hampering their ability to really address and announce really the scale of what's going on in the country. So we have intelligence gaps on metrics and numbers, and Mm -hmm. now we have a missing Iranian foreign minister? Yeah, so right now there's a lot of concern uh, with the outbreak in Iran because a number of government officials have actually been uh, afflicted with the virus. Um, We've actually had one member of the country's expediency council uh, die from uh, from the virus. His family has not confirmed that, but it's believed that he died from the Uh, having the coronavirus. Um, So that's adding, and and then there are a handful of other government officials um, that have said that they have contracted the virus, including the deputy health minister, who really was spearheading the effort to fight the virus. Um, And and so this is really adding a layer of some degree of panic and some degree of concern among Iranians, as well as those watching the outbreak from outside Iran, over how the country is able to handle it and how they're perhaps not able to handle it. Perhaps they lack uh, necessary screening, necessary supplies, um, the type of equipment they, that they need to get this under control. But the foreign minister has not been seen. Yeah, so the, the foreign minister, who's a very prominent individual and well-known um, in the West and outside of Iran, uh, Mohammad Javad Zarif, um, he has not been seen for several days. He has been tweeting um, that's led to some speculation, some conspiracy theories about, oh, has he contracted the virus? We, we, sure. we absolutely do not know that that's the case. We have no reason to believe that that's the case. But that's a good example of the type of conspiracy that's easy, easily spread right now in an environment when Iranians don't know what and who to trust. And on trust is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about uh, the domestic perception of what's taking place here. Absolutely. And I think that this is one of the really important implications of this outbreak that we'll need to be continuing to watch closely is we already had somewhat of a legitimacy crisis between some Iranians and the Iranian government. Uh, it was especially seen after the shoot down of the Ukra- Ukrainian uh, airliner right. in January, where some Iranians have expressed this frustration over not being able to believe what the government says um, or what they're doing. Um, so right now, the Iranian government is in a moment where they need people's trust so that they can disseminate information, so that they can contain and treat the virus effectively. But you have a lot of Iranians that are going to adopt a more independent, uh, every man for himself sort of attitude and not trust the information or the, or the screening campaigns that the government is beginning this week because they, they don't know if they can trust the government. It is something to watch, but I do think this outbreak could exacerbate that gap between uh, Iranians and their government and sort of that relationship is really critical right now for the Iranian government as they are burdened by U.S. sanctions and as they're trying to weather that kind of economic struggle. You said something very interesting when we were preparing for this about uh, Iran being the center of gravity for travel and the spread of this outside of the Middle East. Can mm-hmm. you go into that a little bit? Sure. So really, when you look at the coronavirus cases in the Middle East right now, 
you know, we're talking in the in the first week of March, uh, you and I here today. Um, so information will change uh, later on. But right now, most cases in the Middle East, in countries like Bahrain and Kuwait, uh, they are linked to travel from Iran. Mm. This is important because yeah. U.S. sanctions have really suppressed and limited a number of financial and trade links with Iran. They haven't limited a lot of people-to-people travel to and from Iran. Um, right now, though, a lot of Middle Eastern countries, regional countries, as well as Central Asian and, and South Asian countries, are closing those links with Iran temporarily until they can assess, okay, the outbreak has calmed, uh, the number of cases has begun to level off, um, and they can open up those links again. Which is really interesting to me uh, from that travel standpoint vis-a-vis sanctions. But mm-hmm. also, let's look at the uh, the religious dynamics that's taking place yes, here. Yes, absolutely. And this is important because I believe there are more cases now in the in the capital, Tehran, but originally the origin of the outbreak within Iran was believed to be the city of Qom, which is a very holy city that is home to numerous Shiite Muslim shrines that have been active for centuries. Um, and they attract a lot of pilgrims, not just from within Iran, but from all over the world. Um, and so it is... And and this has made it difficult for the government to try and clamp down on the infection rates within Qom because these shrines are very important. They have visitors going in day in, day out. They've tried to engage in some disinfecting campaigns, but actually shutting down the shrines is a very difficult thing to do politically. Sure. And it also raises questions for religious tourism in the region and in the broader world when we're looking at fears over coronavirus or other diseases or epidemics spreading. Saudi Arabia is no doubt watching this very closely when it thinks about Hajj and the the massive pilgrimage that brings in millions of visitors to uh, cities in Saudi Arabia and other places that are home to, you know, Christian pilgrimage sites in places like Europe. And what's happening right now in Iran with Qom, I think this is going to become a case study in the future for understanding how viruses spread and and how governments can effectively contain them and and what doesn't work. Um, And in the case of Qom, they probably let things get out of hand. Yeah, very good point. Now, uh, in wrapping up here, as you look forward here this week, what are you looking at as you watch developments with uh, COVID-19 at Iran? Uh, We should be watching this week for whether the government is able to effectively start its screening campaign. They're deploying 300,000 teams to go door-to-door to to screen people. They're trying to get an accurate number of cases. So right now, the death rate in Iran vis-a-vis the number of confirmed cases, it is very high compared to what you're seeing in other countries, including China. That's something that might change as we get a more accurate picture of what the number of cases actually is in Iran. So on a tactical level, we're watching that. On a broader level, we'll be watching how this impacts the Iranian economy. They're already beleaguered by sanctions. This is going to depress domestic consumption. This is coming right before a major spring holiday in Iran, Nowruz. There won't be as much economic activity happening at a time when Iran really needs it. And that, again, is, is going to be a problem for the government when it's trying to keep consumption going, keep the economy going in the face of sanctions. Well, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Fred. For those of you who would like more information on Emily's writings on Iran or the Middle East, please visit stratfor.com slash subscribe. And I'm Fred Burton. Thank you.